you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your series preview episode for the three sixes in each conference for the first round of the NBA playoffs. Today, we'll talk about the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Philadelphia 76ers as Joel Embiid will likely be, maybe not, well, probably by, by then, might be celebrating his first MVP that he so desperately, desperately, desperately has clamored for. We'll also talk about the Golden State Warriors versus the Sacramento Kings. Can the Kings light the beam and actually knock off the defending champs? We'll get to all that and more. And to do so, today I'm joined by Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst, fresh off a conversation where he tried to argue that David Robinson was better than Akeem Olajuwon, and everyone's really mad at him for it. I'm absolutely like, I'm going to try and not get involved in that. Also joining us for today's show, making his triumphant return to Buckets, the Ringer Gambling Show's own Raheem Palmer. You know him as Ian Rostradamus on Twitter. How you doing, Ra? I'm good. You know, it's, it's glad to be back. It's always an honor, you know, to, to work with you guys. I mean, you guys are family at this point. We speak every day, so it's great to be here. Yeah, sometimes too much. I would say that we hit Ross <laughs> phone a lot and then go into conversations. I'm always like, Ross, I like, get done with his day and then be like, what the happened on my, what, what is this conversation? Um, <laughs> all right. So a reminder, everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. You want to check that out, download you can follow Brandon and Ra in there. Uh, I've got stuff up on the playing tournament games. I've got stuff up in on the first round series. Got stuff all sorts of places. Uh, reminder, as we go through the week, on Wednesday, we're going to do the two sevens in each conference following the playing tournament games. We're recording this episode on Tuesday afternoon, so we don't know who the two sevens are. We're going to do those tomorrow afternoon. Those will be in your feed by evening. Uh, it'll be me, Brandon, and Jay Money breaking those down. After that, we will have a game one best bets episode it's gonna be all the contributors giving their best bets on the weekend's game one first round appearances on friday brandon and i are doing uh, a futures episode we'll break down um what we think are the best plays in the future we're gonna ask raw a few about those things today we're gonna start with Roz and philly so we're gonna start with uh well it's a series 
we're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna watch it. The Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Brooklyn Nets over at FanDuel Sportsbook. The Sixers are minus 800 to win the series. Nets are plus 560 to pull off what would be a pretty incredible upset. Surprise, this number is not uh, a lot higher, honestly. Uh, series spread line for this series. Sixers, the baseline is Sixers minus two and a half and minus 162. That's the end in four or five games. Uh, plus two and a half for the Nets to take at least two, push it to seven, or win outright is plus 132. We'll go around the table. We'll give our best bets. We'll do the most important thing. We'll talk about player angles. And then we'll do the elevator pitch. Ra, I'll just ask you up front, what's your best bet for the series? Sixers minus two and a half games. It's minus 162. I hate all that juice, but I just don't think that the Brooklyn Nets have any shot at winning this series. I mean, a big reason why is because Joel Embiid. I mean, he is having his MVP season, but when you look at the other side of the floor, their best defender is Nick Claxton. I mean, MB outweighs him by like 65 pounds. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at the matchup. I mean, it's just he's he's averaging like 31 points per game against this Brooklyn Nets team. He's gonna play more minutes. Their backup is a six-nine Dayron Sharp. Um, and I just don't think the Nets have too many advantages in this series. I mean, when you look at what do the Sixers struggle with? They struggle with transition defense. The Nets are just 23rd in transition offense since the trade deadline. I think this, this is a team that's going to struggle to score in the half court. They don't score in transition. I know Mikhail Bridges is making his Kawhi Leonard-esque leap, but this is going to be the first time in his NBA career where there's going to be a scouting report on him. And, you know, teams are going to be focused on, you know, shutting him down. So I think the Sixers win this with relative ease. Um, they should be able to win this in five games. Oh, that's cool. You did a Brandon impression where I asked you for a simple question and a simple answer just to tell me the, the your best bet. And you gave me a solid 90 seconds to two minutes on on why. Um, thank you for for bringing the, the Brandon impression to the podcast. Uh, so Sixers minus two and a half is the short answer there. Brandon, what's your best bet for this series? Well, if you don't like drinking the juice, I'm going to go way off the Brandon radar here. Give me Sixers minus one and a half, minus 300 on the juice right there. I don't even care. I don't care about this series. Sixers going to coast. There's no way this goes more than six. I don't know if they care enough to do it less than that. So just give me the minus 300. I do have a prop for the series that will drink a little more juice the other direction, more Brandon style. We'll get to you later. All right. My best bet for this for this series is I'm going to tell Ra here. I'm going to be with him on this. So it's Sixers minus two and a half. I'll pay the 162. Um, we'll get into why we like the differences in value. Ra, you already kind of gave your most important thing about this matchup. And it's the, the obvious one, which is, look, Nick Claxton, I'll say this. Matchup data regular season, Joel shot 40% versus Nick. Didn't actually get in that much foul trouble. Like the the regular season numbers say that this is not that bad. I just Nick's so small. Like he's just so small compared to Joel. And like Dayron is is still really raw. And most of the Nets fans I know hate him. And they don't have like a bruiser. Like they just don't have the bodies. Their roster is built with one point guard. And Spencer Dinwiddie, 800 wings that shoot threes, and then Nick Claxton. And, like, that's all they got. And so, like, you're right. Like, the most important thing here is that this is a series for Joel Embiid to, like, show off and to feel awesome about himself and strut and fall down 700 times and act like he was fouled despite physically dominating this matchup. Um, it's going to be, like, an absolute just be show for Joel. That's got to be the most important thing. Like, I, 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 if we're going to ask that question, I'd love to give a more complicated answer. I don't have one. Like, it literally just is. 
I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with Joel because they don't have any sort of counter. Brandon, uh, what's the most important thing for you in this matchup? Yeah, it's pretty much that. Sixers have four of the top five players in the series, any game. And yeah, literally my notes say, Embiid versus no one. This is his dream matchup. This is what Joel Embiid lives for. Bring the trophy out. Give it to him mid-game. We got to do the ceremony early. We may not have him around in the playoffs later on to get him the trophy. So let's bring him out. Get him his 40 and 15. Get the MVP. There's just, like, if you look at the basketball reference position breakdowns by how the Nets field their lineups, and I know that stuff is kind of noisy. After Claxton, obviously, plays all his minutes as center. We got Cam playing minutes at center. We got Dorian Finney-Smith. Notably, second or third best player, sometimes in a series, Dorian Finney-Smith. He might be playing some center in this series. That's a Raheem Palmer throwback on that DFS for you. But <laughs> if, if that's the centers we got, if that's the answer to Embiid, I, I think that we know how the question's going to turn out. So, yeah, Embiid versus no one, that's pretty much it. That's the cap, and there's, the, there's not much more to do with this series than that, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, so here's the thing. Every ser- every year that there's a series that we don't see coming, like there's always one that we are just like, didn't did not expect that result to happen, especially like in terms of not the series maybe, but at least game one. There's like been a hand, like there's always that one. I kind of wonder if this might be that one just because the Nets bomb threes. I'll also say yeah. this, like, look, if you're going to defend Harden and Embiid pick and roll, the best thing for you to do is switch it. You know, like you switch it and you're like, well, yeah, but then you got a small on Embiid. Okay. I think you switch it and then you immediately double. And we know that Joel struggles with double teams and you try and make him make mistakes that way. You also try and I think you try and draw offensive fouls. Like there's a path here where I could be like, this might give them a trouble for a game. Like that could be not bad. Like I, I looked at, I don't mind on FanDuel. You can get game one series price. I'm like money line series uh, and to win the series nets to win game one Sixers to win the series is plus four seventy. Don't hate that. Like it wouldn't shock me if, if the, the Sixers screwed around and the nets won game one and they reverse swept them. I just don't know that the plus four seventy is worth it when you can just wait for game one, see if the nets pull off an upset. And then we get all these numbers that we're laying juice on at reduced odds. Cause like, they win one game, their odds of winning two go way up. So then we can go back and get minus two and a half or uh, or Sixers and five specifically at a much better price on the gentleman's sweep. Like that to me is maybe honestly a better way to look at it is, is to do that. Um, like we all agree yeah. on the, the biggest matchup here. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I, I made a similar no. Like trying, trying when, when it's so easy, the thing that I have to try to do is, okay, what's the case? What am I not seeing? How, what's the other story when Brooklyn goes up 1-0 or when it's 1-1, how did it get there? You guys know I have to do that. And the, the logic is Brooklyn bombs threes. They take a ton of three-pointers. The problem is that's muted by Philadelphia's defense, limits three-pointers, bottom five in the league allowed by three-point attempts, and Philly's top five against three-point percentage. So if that's like the one strength you have and then they can kind of take that away or at least limit it, that ruins that a little bit it, it, you know we we do the trap where i do the trap where i try to think well here's what i would do if i was the coach well here's what i would do if i was the coach i think i would say you know what Embiid, go ahead score 50 we can't really do much about you anyways we're gonna play five out we're gonna actually play cameron johnson at center and dfs at center we're gonna stretch you out and notably elite 
defender, Joel Embiid. Let's see you guard the perimeter all series and chase people around. And we're just going to bomb like 53s and see what happens. Because clearly we're getting destroyed in this matchup. Like this is like a March Madness 4 versus 13. We're just like, okay, we know, we know. But can we steal a game? And so that that's why I took the minus one and a half. Because I do think there's an avenue where either from bombing threes or just from the Sixers didn't show up that night. I think it's a path. Is there any chance that they actually play the five out and just go crazy? Raheem, you've watched a lot of this team. Um, Could Embiid hold with that? Um, you know, I actually watched the Nets last week. Um, and you know, they actually went five out against Rudy Gobert, and they went five out against um Carl Anthony Towns. And you know, late in their, I think they played last Wednesday. Late in that game, you know, Chris Finch said, "You know what? We can't play Rudy Gobert because he's unable to capitalize on the other end of the floor. Um, and he's getting bombed with threes. And you you saw Carl Anthony Towns just absolutely dominate the end of that game. And you know, I'm expecting Embiid to do the same. Um. I, I think the Sixers are good enough defensively to be able to, you know, slow the Nets down if they went five out. Um, you you laid out the blueprint. You know, when you look at after the deadline, I think the Nets were nine and one when they made 15 threes or more and four and 14 when they did. So, I mean, this is a team that has saw their jump shot rate go off from 37% to about 45%. So if this team is making threes, obviously they can hang in there, but I just don't see the Nets having an answer defensively. And I think that's the real issue in this series. And there's going to be guys in foul trouble. Um, I think the, the, the blueprint for the Nets to win this series, they have to make James Harden a score. They have to say, you know what? Double MB, everybody else score. PJ Tucker, can you hit those jumpers? Tyrese Maxey, can you hit those jumpers? Harden, can you score efficiently coming off of that Achilles injury? Um, I think that's their only hope. One of the problems I have with the series is I don't, this isn't like, okay, the Nets are a flawed team and it's a bad matchup, but, you know, they're a good team and and they believe in each other. Like, there's two problems here. One, you know, they're under 500 since the trade. They, they've done better mm-hmm. than people expected. Brandon was notably right about the fact that uh, Nets to miss the playoffs was a miss. He told he tried to warn us off me off that and was right on that. But like they still have been under 500 with a with a, a negative net rating. The other thing is that if you're the Nets guys, you're just like, hey, playoff share, cool, and that's about it. Like you don't know if you're going to be on the team. You don't know if this is going to be your home. You don't know if they're built like they're not building around you. You're not their guy unless you're Mikhail. Mikhail's the only guy that they're like going to build around to whatever degree they can. All these guys, Royce O'Neal, Cam Johnson, um, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, like Spencer Dinwiddie, all these guys on down the line. Like they could all be gone this summer. Like they, we just don't know what the Nets are going to do, but we know that it's probably not going to be this version. I don't love that if we're trying to pull off an upset. You need a, a certain level of belief. Like their only real chance here from a belief standpoint is like resentment and like screw these guys. Like we can hang. Like we're all good players and that's about it. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's just, it's hard to find an angle on this. Um, you don't want to be too, you don't want to want to lock this stuff in and be do overconfident because sometimes these things, like I said, can be random. Don't mind Brandon's minus one and a half on paying the extra juice for the insurance on that extra game. Like, Rod, what's the, what is the, what are the chances that the Sixers screw around here and just mess around um, just to go, go six or more? I can see it for game one. Um, you know, I, I can't see it over a full course of a series. I mean, this is very reminiscent of, you know, the 2019 series where it's just, you know, game one. And actually it's so funny because I actually bet Brooklyn in that game one, the Nets were actually eight point underdogs. 
the same as now. So I'm getting like a lot of deja vu, um, particularly with the way the Sixers have been playing lately. When you look at the Sixers, you know, the Sixers were 28 and eight from December 31st through March 18th. And when Harden injured his Achilles in that Bulls game from March 20th on, um, and I'm not counting the last two games of the season, but they were four and five with the net rating of 0.9. So, you know, maybe this team isn't in sync that much, particularly coming off that, that Harden Achilles injury. Um, and, you know, Harden's been terrific this year, but, you know, the way they ended the series, season kind of gave me a little bit of pause. Brandon, do you feel, how confident do you feel that, that, I guess my question is, do you feel like the minus two and a half that we're laying at the minus 162 is a bad bet? I don't think it's a bad bet. I, I guess if I'm being honest, I think it's a worse bet than the one I chose because basically those were the two that I was picking between. So that that should be my answer. If I've chose the other one, then I should think that mine is a slightly better version. I, I just, look, you guys know me from years of this podcast. I don't trust this team. I don't trust Joel and I don't trust James. And I don't trust Glenn. And I don't want to like, if I'm laying the juice anyways, the minus 160 something, because like, look, the real answer is I'm just not really going to play much on this. Like we're giving out a bet because we're a betting podcast. We need to pick a side, but I just, I don't need that much action on a minus 300 on a series that like the, the real over under is over under like one and a half halves of this series. I will actually like watch intently. Like this is when I get to like go outside and take a break for, for the series. It's just, I, I, I would rather have the buffer zone, but I, there, there's no need for it. This should be Sixers in three, right? We all think this. They should destroy <laughs> them. It's an, it's a non-match, but who knows? And Philly has kind of played with their food at times. And I just, I would rather, if I'm laying the juice anyways, I'd rather just go all in. And like, I feel like the minus 300 is, unless Embiid gets hurt, I feel like I'm just, I like I'm, I'm already cashed. So if I'm, if I'm going to do that, I'd rather just lay it and get the cash. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, let's do player angles. So what's a player angle on the series that you think the props market will bear fruit on, Brendan? All right, so here's my big one. Under... 0.5 pointers Benjamin Simmons, minus 10 million. Okay, so I got a real one. So back to the James Harden thing. James Harden's assists the last couple of years, obviously he's always like a season leader in the regular season, and he's usually been around 10, 10 and a half. The last two years, he went from 10 and a half assists per game in the regular season down to eight and a half in the playoffs. 
the numbers have been falling off a little bit. Spencer Dinwiddie, I didn't even realize, so I'm being honest, I did not watch a lot of Nets down the stretch. Spencer Dinwiddie has been lighting up the assist numbers. Last 15 games heading into the playoffs here, Dinwiddie is at 10.9 assists per game. He has at least 11 assists in 11 out of the 15 games. So at FanDuel, our sponsor, you can bet on who will lead the series in assists. Notably, that is total, not assists per game. That matters. Obviously, Harden is the favorite. He just won the assist crown. I like Dinwiddie here. Plus 250 to lead the series in assists. He's at 9.1 per game with Brooklyn. That number has gone up lately. And also, I actually like that it's the total assists here. You never know when James might just like tweak a hammy or something and sit out a half or even miss a game. And if that happens, it's kind of an auto win too. So what do you guys think about the Dinwiddie assist series leader plus 250? I don't mind it. Um, I think, you know, from a matchup standpoint, the reason I probably won't play it is like, what are the, what are, the Sixers get to play drop here? They don't have to be so concerned that they need to switch up coverages unless things get really out of hand. So they're going to live with most of the offensive stuff. Like the Sixers have a huge offensive advantage here. Uh, that's what's, that's what's the, is it's not just in B like effective field goal percentage. Like the Sixers are just way more efficient. So if they're going to play drop, Spencer's going to have that wide open floater lane. And I don't know that, that I feel like the Sixers are going to prioritize staying home on those threes and they're definitely not going to like, he's not going to be dishing for dunks. He's not going to be dishing for cuts. So like, my question for you is where is he going to like, what, what plays is he going to find assists on? I mean, I think, I I think I would push back on that last statement. I think that he could like, if they go five out and suddenly now you got Embiid out on the perimeter or something or spacing part of the hope of that is that you do open up those backdoor cuts and in some of the spacing and possibilities to get to the rim and get some uh, assists that way. And I think otherwise too, you just have to hope that he like threw the pass that led to a made three pointer and we get the assist that way. Like the, the numbers have been there. Uh, it, it's, it's just a numbers play for me that I actually think if I were setting lines based on just looking at what I'm seeing the last couple of months between Harden's injury a little bit and between Dinwiddie's numbers lately, I honestly think I'd make Dinwiddie a favorite, probably like a slight favorite here. So at the very least, I think I'm getting close to a coin flip between them. And I understand if the coin flip feels better taking the Philly side, because we all know that they're going to win the series. So you get more assists because you score easily. But if I'm getting a plus 250 on something near a coin flip, it's a pretty easy play. The, the la- This is literally as I was up at like 2.30 last night, getting my notes ready for this. This was literally the last thing I did. So last thought in my head, went to bed, woke up. First thing this morning, I have a text from Joe Delera. It's time, Spencer Dinwiddie, plus 250, series assist leader. So Joe and I are in this one together. Joe's going to write it up at Action Network. Uh, Rye, you got any player angles that you're going to keep an eye on on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I've, I've kind of been waiting for this all year. Um, you know, P.J. Tucker has really kind of struggled with his three ball for much of, these, much of this season. Um, you know, he hasn't really been great. I mean, it says he's, like, he's shooting 39%, but – you know, when you watch the game, it doesn't seem like he's he's shooting that well. I mean, he's only taking 1.9 threes per game. He's playing 25 minutes. I expect his minutes to go up. I mean, they got him for the playoffs. And we all know when it comes to the playoffs, he's going to have to hit those open jumpers. And I, I think, you know, he'll have more than enough opportunities because they're going to sell out on Embiid. They're going to sell out on Harden. And we all know he's been playing with Harden for so, 
quite some time, you know, from his time in Houston. So PJ is going to get those looks. So I'm going to be looking to to take some PJ Tucker over um, three point um, shots. Me, I like that. I'm actually going to bet this. I'm going to bet Tyrese Maxey series points later, fifty to one. Ooh. Mm. So here's the thought process. One, Nets bench. Like all of those good defenders are in the starting unit. It's Royce O'Neal, it's Mikhail, it's Cam. Like all those good wing defenders are in the starting unit. Second unit is Joe Harris, Seth Curry. Those guys, they do not have depth in terms of def- of defense in that second unit. Tyrese is going to eat. Like he's going to absolutely get loose. The other thing here, um, teams know like big picture and they know how big of an advantage of this is. If if the Nets do not steal one of the first two games. The Sixers are absolutely going to kick down into cruise control and be like, we got to make sure that the big man's healthy for the next round. Like we got to have Joel in the absolute best condition because like, remember what happened last year is they dominated that Raptors series, but he hurt his thumb and then his face. And like that impacted things greatly from their perspective, the heat were still going to win that series, but still like there's every reason for them to be conservative. Tyrese on the other hand will play. If Harden's resting, Tyrese plays more. Like they're gonna let Maxi get numbers. They're gonna let Maxi run the run these second units. He may not play in garbage, garbage, garbage time, but he'll play in like late third, early fourth garbage time. So that's a huge opportunity here for total points. Tyrese, like Joel may even and plus I just gotta say it, there's always the injury risk with Joel, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Harden, I I don't necessarily know that it, even if uh that even if Joel got hurt, I don't know that I would automatically make Harden the favorite then. Like I would still probably lean towards Maxi being more focused on that. So at 50 to one, I'm going to take Tyrese Maxi to lead the, the the series in points. That's my long shot. What do you think, Brandon? If uh, if Maxi leads, has the most points, then that means that he is the MVP, right? That's yeah. how this works? Yeah. If he averages more, <laughs> more, more, at least of the series, if he averages more points per game than Joel, then. Had to head. And not total points, though, Remind because otherwise it'd be Tatum. Oh, wow. let's, let's move over to the other series, which should be a lot more interesting to talk about. Golden State Warriors. The defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors are a six seed and are favored versus the three seed Sacramento Kings. Not only are they favored, they're minus 260 to win that series, the Kings are plus 215. The series spread, minus one and a half for the Warriors. So Warriors and six or fewer at minus 168. Kings plus one and a half at plus 136. This is the, the series I've gotten the most questions about. Let's go around and just give our best bet in a one-sentence answer. Rob, we'll start with you. What's your best bet for Warriors-Kings? The best bet is to bet the Kings to win game one, and then you take the Warriors to win the series. So I think that 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 pays. I'm not sure what that pays, but that's you're that's doing the, both together. Um, the parlay, if, if you don't wait, the parlay for Kings game one Warriors series is plus 210. Okay, I, I like I, I know I wanted to plan on betting the Kings first half and full game, and then. Um, try to jump on the Warriors, but um, I'm not sure if I want to jump on them after game one, honestly. Okay. All right. Brandon, what's your mm-hmm. best bet for the series? Okay, so I got, I had two in my notes here, and I was just going to lead with one, but I I have to do the second one now, considering what Raheem just said, and I'll, I'll tell you both. But literally my second one on my best bets is 
Warriors to win game one, Kings to win the series, plus 1,100. So wow. I'll explain why when we get there. My lead best bet is at a lot of books, that, like at FanDuel, you can bet what's the series score after three games. My lead best bet is Warriors to lead two games to one after three. That's plus 120. So I'll, I'll explain. I actually was exactly on Raheem's bet going into this, and then I ended up flipping sides. So we'll, we'll get there. Uh, my best bet for this for this series. Warriors to win game one. Warriors to win the series. <laughs> plus 115. That's my best bet. Uh, I will also note that I will also be betting Warriors uh, minus two and a half uh, on the series spread line plus 190. I will also be on that as well. We'll get into all this. Oh, uh, boy. Where do we want to start here? How do we start this one? Let's start with Raheem. Because he did, very rarely does he go paths like this of, of mapping a series. Why do you like the Kings in game one? And why do you still like Golden State? Okay, I mean, I think the biggest thing, I mean, we already know about, you know, the Warriors' role woes. I mean, like, it's been summed up so many times. I mean, like, they're a 6C and they're priced at, like, they open at minus 300. Um, okay, in case you're listening to this podcast and you have not heard us, Every single goddamn week talking about this. Um, I do have the number for you. Uh, this is this to me is the best. Uh, there's a lot of great ones. There's two things here. One, the, the best one is that we have data online going back to around 2003 for, for spreads. Mm -hmm. The Warriors are the worst ATS road team in, in NBA history. If we just like assume there isn't a worse team throughout the court, there probably is. But since at least 2003, the Warriors are the worst road team ATS in history. The second great stat here, they lost 30 road games. Of the 18 teams that have lost 30 road games or more, 17 of them lost in the first round. Out of 18 teams to lose 30-plus on the road, 17 of them lost in the first round. All right, go ahead. And only the 84 Suns made the conference finals. Only the 84 <laughs> Suns made the conference finals. Right, yeah, so it's just, um, you know, it's like, the Warriors' big advantage is their starting lineup and the preferred starting lineup. They're outscoring teams by 21 points per one of possessions. Um, but unfortunately, they haven't had that starting lineup together since like February 4th. And, you know, Wiggins is supposed to come back for this series, but we're still not sure if he's going to play. Um, you know, Sacramento's starting lineup isn't there yet. But I mean, like when you look at even, even beyond the Warriors, it's not just the Warriors who've been struggling on the road it's been pretty much the entire Western conference. There's only one team with a winning record on the road in the Western conference. I think it's the, what is the Clippers? So for me, I, I just think the home court advantage is going to loom large here. And I expect the, the Kings to kind of just get by a momentum, honestly. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to play them in the first half because I think that first half is going to be big. And I'm also going to play them in the, in, the full game. So I just, I think over time, the Warriors matchup advantages will play out, but I, I just think right away, the Kings, they should be hyped up for this game. Okay. And, and by the way, it's not the Clippers that have the winning road record, just because it's relevant not to correct you. It is the Kings. The Kings are the, yeah, the Kings winning road I mean. record. So relevant yeah. here. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me go first, Brandon, and then we'll get to you. I love Warriors in this game one. Give me one of my best bets on the, on the game one. Hmm. Do you remember, I got a comparison for you. Do you remember all the way back? I think it was, I can't remember what year was the first, first year the Raptors made the playoffs, but the first 2014. year. 2014. Yeah. So under in 2014, do you remember 
how hyped that place was. Do you remember how crazy Jurassic Park was? Like they're showing the fans outside. There's so much energy. The Raptors are back in the playoffs. What an unbelievable team. Do you remember what happened? They lost. Yeah, I remember that. They lost. The key here is that to me, there is too much pressure on this Kings team. This is an inexperienced, young team in an environment where the fans are going to be so amped up. The fans are not just going to be happy to be there. Like they're going to be in like, we could do this. You guys have been good all year. Light the beam. That's a lot of pressure for this squad. That is a lot of pressure for a, a Kings team that is in this spot. This stat I found late in the season, I've bandied about on podcasts and various places. This is really important to me. The Kings are five points better defensively on the road than they are at home. They have a 118 defensive rating, 29th in the league amongst all home teams. Now, their point differential is better because they have a 121.6 offensive rating. They're killer in terms of the offense at home. However, like what's most likely to get impacted by the playoffs in their first playoff appearance? You're going to be hurried by all the switching and the chaotic energy from the Warriors. You're going to be uptight from all the pressure on you and how much, how many nerves you have for your first playoff game. I love the Warriors in this game. I love this spot. This, this is absolutely going to be like, how many times have we seen Golden State be in the situation where the other team is hyped? Like Memphis last year, hyped. And the Warriors come in and they grab game one. I love the Warriors to win game one. You mentioned the starters. They're going to play out over the course of the series. Warriors game one, Warriors to win the series. Brandon, your side of this. Wait, what, what's the number on Warriors game one, Warriors series? What's the line? Uh, it is one, plus 115. Man, you said that earlier, wow. and I thought that that surely must be a mistake when the Warriors are favored by so much in the series. That That is very tempting, and mm. maybe I might switch my version here. So... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I was where both of you were, were at on here on game one. And this is, I'm going to explain kind of why transition from the Raheem side to the Matt side. So I've been waiting for, for weeks as I was like thinking and prepping about the playoffs. Um, so for weeks, as I was getting ready, I was like, okay, Kings game one, Kings at home, Kings with the crowd, light the beam that first game. Oh my gosh. They're going to obliterate someone. I was dying to get a Warriors or sorry, a Kings Clippers matchup. That was going to be my lead bet on everything. Give me Kings, everything. Give me the game one. Give me the series. I was just so ready for it. Then we switched and I was like, well, oh, okay. The Warriors, they're terrible on the road. The Kings, all the stuff applies. We're good to go. And that's everything Raheem said, all accurate, all made sense. And then I remembered Warriors game ones in playoff series. We all have done this with the Warriors game one playoff series since the beginning of the title runs since that first year in game one, the Warriors are 21 and three in game one in a playoff series. Now, granted only three of those are on the road. They're usually a home team, but they're also two and one on the road. They won in Memphis last year. They won in Houston in 2018. They lost in Toronto in the finals without Durant, by the way, 21 and three. Why? Because here's, I'll do my most important thing here. All the focus is going to be on the bombing threes. Both teams are going to bomb threes. We're going to have the shot variance. The Warriors will win with two-pointers. The Kings defense allows the fourth most two-pointers in the league at 56%, 23rd worst in the league. The Warriors lead the league in assists. The Kings allow the third most assists. 
in the four games they played this year, the Warriors converted 59.3% of their two-pointers, 1.19 point per possession. When you start to play the Warriors in a playoff series, the thing we see year after year, series after series, is you get sliced and diced defensively by the back cuts and the motion and all the weird stuff that eventually by like game three or four, you're like, oh, Steph is still moving after that. I got to keep chasing over here. But it is it takes you a while to catch up to that, especially if you are a horrendous defense that's not good at that stuff anyways. So after all of that, I was like, okay, I have to feel good about the Warriors in the series. I have to like them for game one based on all the game one stuff. So back to my best bets then. So Warriors game one, why Warriors game one King series, why Warriors 2-1 series lead? I am unsettled about the direction that the series goes. I don't even know how to explain it logically, just that we seem like we've locked into like, here we go, baby, Lakers, Warriors, Steph, LeBron, one more time. And I just feel like that seems too easy. I, I It just seems too obvious and something about it doesn't feel right. Maybe there's something by the time y'all listen to this, maybe the something is my Timberwolves will have knocked off the Lakers and thrown the bracket around. Maybe that's the something. I don't know. Something feels off about it. And I can't shake that these teams are, are just like the all offense, not much defense. And let's see if the shots fall. And that, Matt, you said with the Timberwolves Lakers thing, it's the no one believes in us. How do you get any less no one believes in us than we are giant dogs as the three C? Like literally there's never been in NBA history with fracking for for odds a bigger top three seed underdog in the first round this is the most no one believes in a spot so it's it's not that i think the kings are winning the series it's that i like the game one and if i do the plus 1100 on could the kings still win the series i think is out there and i actually think though the warriors would win game one the other thing we know they do is get overconfident and if the warriors go to sacramento and just crush them and slice and dice and get the game one win, they're going to be like all puffing their chests and, ah, the champs are here. We didn't even need to try in the regular season. We're good to go. Kings, please. And they're going to like show up and lay an egg in one of the next couple of games. And that's why I like the 2-1 series lead best. So it's kind of twisty. That's how I got there and everything. I mean, I like the, I like the 2-1 series lead because uh, I do think like, I do think I'll be on Kings for game two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a sweep. And so, and if I say if I don't think it's a sweep, I shouldn't do Warriors minus two and a half. I should be on Warriors and five specifically if I'm going to bet it short. Two couple things. I don't know that that they are as prone to overconfidence as they were in the first run. Like it's fair. They they mm-hmm. learned a lot about like the 2016 run. Honestly, taught them a lot about like you just can't you cannot get ahead of yourselves. They learned in the most painful way possible. My my biggest thing is that. I mean, is it even fair to handicap them as the same team? I know they they have four guys from the same core. Well, th- three guys from the same core. I mean, Steph, yeah, Draymond, right. So, like the question, the rest like- of those guys are just. And I, I think it's pretty clear, you know, when you look at how they're performing defensively on the road, that like, how do you? I, that's my biggest thing. How do I reconcile the fact that they're allowing 119 points per hundred possessions and defensively? on the road so i think a lot of this is built off of the full season numbers with wiseman and you got to throw mm-hmm. all of that out right we start there it's just like look yeah they played a lot of guys that were not ready 
and we know they weren't ready and that's been proven over time that they're not ready um I, i'm looking this up right now everyone knows the stat about the laker or the warriors five-man lineup no pool the steph clay uh wiggins draymond looney lineup having the best net rating in the nba uh, as a five-man lineup this is actually pretty notable when we go look on the road raw there they were four and ten early in the season when wiggins was around and that lineup played on the road however mm -hmm. they were still plus 8.6 and that defensive rating goes down to 114.9 and then when you do steph clay pool wiggins green the death lineup right or the death pool whatever you want to call it that one goes down to 111.5 on the road, but they were still three and 10. So like what we really can take away from this is when they've been, when they were losing early on the road, when they had Wiggins, it was entirely the bench. Wiggins is back. Wiseman is gone. Like that's how you kind of have to cap this because that's what we haven't seen. We have this with a lot of teams in the Western conference. We just haven't seen the Suns enough. We don't know. We just don't yeah. know. We haven't seen the Lakers enough. We just don't know. And the Warriors are the same thing where we haven't seen a non-Wiseman Wiggins team yet for the Warriors. And that to me matters considerably. I can see that. Um, I got to, you know, like I look at their post-All-Star numbers. For me, it's just, you know, they're four and eight since the All-Star break on the road. Scoring 117, giving up 116. So it's just, I just don't know how much more I can give this team the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, the thing that, kind of brings me pause on, you know, jumping in on the Kings is that, you know, I recognize that, you know, playoff basketball and regular season basketball is two different things. And I've gotten burnt by it so many times. When you look at James Harden's career, you look at the 2017-18 Raptors that won 59 games and got swept by LeBron. The 2014-15 Atlanta Hawks that won 62 games and got swept by LeBron. So, on one hand, I have these regular season numbers telling me that, you know, the Kings are to play. On the other hand, I have, you know, seven years of data and, you know, that's just telling me that the Golden State Warriors, that when it matters, that they'll turn it on. I got one more for you. Mm -hmm. Post All-Star on the road, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Looney. Okay. Mm -hmm. That four-man combo. Four and six. So they still lost right? Because some of the wonkiness towards late in the season, but they did lose. They had a sub 500 road record, but they were plus 19.3 with a 99.6 defensive rating. Like this to me is like a crucial part of it is I talked about this in the Cavs series. I'm going to go back to it. The best players play more. They're not resting guys anymore. They're not minutes managing. And they, I honestly, I'll say this. I think the warriors know how thin their margin for error is. I think they know that they're not good enough to be able to be like, I can't like Kerr's got to be in a mode where he's like, look, we want to keep you healthy for the long run, but we're not good enough. Like you're going to have to play 35, 38. This is just who we are. And so if they're playing the starters more, they're going to have a big advantage. Brandon, you got thoughts on this? Yeah. I was going to say a couple other numbers on the starters thing. I noticed like looking at on, on court per 100 on off rankings, obviously there's context for all that stuff. But a thing that drew me back a little bit on the Kings they're another team that feels like they've maxed themselves out a little bit in the regular season. Number one, they're super healthy all season. Like super. of all the teams in the healthiest playoffs, maybe the healthiest team. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so that means that all the numbers, like even just 
they didn't have like we, we're not having Sabonis and Fox out here resting games. They're they're all playing. Everyone in the rotation that matters plays seventy two plus games. So that makes all the numbers rise up, and it makes them a little overinflated. They're twenty two and twenty six against five hundred teams or better. They're the fewest double digit wins of any West playoff team. And then the starters thing, Kings starters. If you look down the list, each starter on the court rates about a plus two or a plus three per 100. It's good, but it's not great. Not great compared to the Warriors, especially in those those rare times we've seen the starting lineup. Kings bench guys are more like plus four. That's where the big advantages come in. And the Kings have been a really good second quarter team and spots where those bench units play. Kings first quarter net rating for the season as the three seed, minus 1.4. They're 19th in first quarter net rating. And so that to me says, you know what? Our starters aren't necessarily creating big separation here. Our starters are not putting this away. It's just that we have our starters every single game. And sometimes you didn't, so we won that game. And our bench has been pretty good. And our starters are always healthy and playing. So the bench is always healthy and at their max. And they're a big advantage. I just think, yeah, all of those things, they feel like they're going to be not the advantage that we had. Like we've said this about, you know, we talked about that with Knicks, with Cavs. Some of these other teams where, yeah, I think the starter thing, it's inflating the net ratings and some of those numbers a little bit, which frankly aren't really that strong anyway for a traditional three seed. DeMontis Bonus played 90 minutes out of 144 in the first three games of the matchup. I'm throwing out the last one because Kings were locked. First three games of the, of the season series, um, Sabonis played 90 out of 144. He was a minus 17.5 in net rating. They got beat by 18 points per 100 possessions, giving up a 123 defensive rating and, and scoring just 106 when Domas was on the floor. Like, Yeah, I, I, I worry oh. too. I, I do think it's a Kevon Looney series. Like I think because of Domas, he'll be out there a lot. But I worry about just what can Draymond do to just screw with Sabonis and the Kings offense? Like, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of defense around the Warriors. I've been on that all season, but just Draymond just against Sabonis and, and all the actions of what the Kings have done so well, it, it scares me more than a little bit. So I, I worry about that here. What's a player prop play for this series that you like, Brandon? Yeah. A couple of those, just I was mentioning Looney, I think Looney rebounds. He averaged 11.8 rebounds a game in the four games against the Kings. I think he's going to have to be out there a lot because of Sabonis. Sabonis rebounds for sure. In the three games he played, he had 50 rebounds. That's three games. So that's 16.7 rebounds a game. So Joe Delera, I'm sure will be playing the, the Sabonis escalator all series, 13 offensive rebounds. I, I want Wiggins to play. He played those first three games you mentioned, Matt, were all like in the first month of the season. Wiggins scored 24, 25, and 26 in those games. To me, he's the guy, look, I'm the longtime Timberwolves, Wiggins, not what's the opposite of a stand, whatever that is. Wiggins made the leap last year in the playoffs and became that perfect 3 and D glue guy dude. The thing I talked about with the two-pointers and the back cuts and the easy looks and the rebounds and putbacks, that's all Wiggins. He's going to just like eat in those spots, play big minutes because he has to, because they don't have the depth if he's ready and get easy buckets. So obviously I'm not going to jump into the deep end. We need to make sure that his minutes are where we want and everything. But I think that's a, a good spot too. Uh, I'm going to be on Kevin Herter, three-pointers made. Um, hmm. Warriors defense is pretty good, but the transition defense is where you can find some spots. I think Fox gets downhill on him and finds Herter quite a bit. 
Um, and I think that the Warriors in general, but the Warriors will try and contain these kind of things because they try and contain everything. But the Warriors' definite plan is going to be like, we can live with the Kevin Herter game. We can we can live with that. So they're not going to help off of him, which is why like it'll be interesting to see what they do and if they feel like they have to bring doubles. Like that's going to be the question. Is like can Demonis like force them to bring doubles? I don't think he can, but because these guys are two of the best defenders in the league and Looney and, and Dre, but uh, it should be interesting. I just, it, it to me, it does feel to me like we're going to get Warriors, Lakers. It does feel to me like that's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe that's like the twist here, Brandon, is like we have all this uncertainty and we're going to wind up with exactly what we think when we get through. Yeah. All of I mean, the Lakers still have to get through tonight, <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of crazy, but um. For me, I, I like Malik Monk overs, um, mm-hmm. particularly on points. Um, I think they don't really have anybody who can really stay in front of him. Um, and the fact that Malik Monk is going to be coming off the bench, he's going to be attacking those second units where you know they they struggle defensively. Um, and then even when he's in the first unit, can I mean Clay Thompson isn't what he was defensively. Um, and I mean they're going to try to limit Fox from getting in front of him, but Malik's going to have his open looks. So um, I'm looking at his overs. There's a there's a book that offers there's a market that is head to head and you can do combined points. Mm-hmm. Might do I might do pool monk combined over. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes also. I, I think pool and monk, both of those guys are extremely dudes that are like around from now are like, hey, how come Jordan Poole's not been playing? Well, we know. We know because he doesn't play defense or Malik Monk, if it's Malik Monk. But this series, no one's playing defense and everyone is just running and gunning and scoring. I think Poole and Monk overs for one series is the way to go. I want to hit you guys with a historical comp here. So I was just trying to think through, okay, I looked back through like 20 years of the Kings are number one on offense, but like 25th on defense, right? Who who is the team that's like that? So the two most interesting comps I came up with the Dirk Nash Mavs. So we're way back now. I understand, but the Dirk Nash Mavs, they fit there. But the one that was really fascinating to me that I think actually makes a lot of sense, 2005 Seattle Supersonics. If that doesn't tell you how far back we are. So this is Ray Allen, Richard Lewis, Lewis. Luke Ridenauer, Vladimir Redmanovich, spreading it out, running, scoring a lot of points. So those are the two teams. I did that separate yesterday, Matt, we were talking through, okay, how often is this that we get, a, a, an underdog seed that's favored in the first round. So six times, uh, uh, six times, Matt, what's the website that I'm referring to here? So we cite them. So sports odds, history.com sports odds, history.com six times since 1969, we had a first round seed underdog that was favored where it's not a four or five matchup Four or fives are more or less coin flips. You throw those out there's six times where we have like the six seed here or lower that was favored. If you go down the list, basically like one of them was a couple of years ago, the Nuggets against the Blazers. Well, they were missing Jamal Murray. That's why they suddenly were the underdog in that series, despite the higher seed. We had the Suns against the Lakers, 2021. That one had the CP injury, then the brow injury. We had the Blazers, 2019, without Yusuf Nurkic. Further down the list, what did I find? But the 2005 Seattle Supersonics. The home Supersonics, the team I had found similar to them, playing the Kings. But it was like the late version of the Kings, kind of toward the tail end of that. Here's what's interesting. In those six series where the lower seed, the the 6-7 seed was the favorite, the favorite team won the series one time. One in five winning the series. The better seed, the Kings in this case, 
the better seed was 23 and 13 straight up in those series. However, the Sonics were the one team that actually beat the Kings. The Kings were coming out four straight Western Conference finals there. So it's it's all a mess, but I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it tells us anything. You, you got any takeaways? Everyone having to make make like take sides on the on the Warriors <laughs> to me is like is hilarious because we're just like like it's so it's just really funny, you know, because the non-sports betting, non-probabilistic folks are just like, I'm telling you, like when they're fully healthy, I believe by the warrior. Blah, blah, blah. And then like, <laughs> you know, you have analysts that are like, look, they're not very good. They just haven't been good. No. History says they're not going to be any good. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. I wrote this. I, I can't drink the wine in front of them. I can't drink the wine in front of me. I can't do anything with this Warriors team on a futures basis. I'm taking it series by series, but I'm going to take them in this one. <laughs> Rob, before we get out of here, I want to ask you, um, in the futures market, if we look at, at kind of like the big picture with where the league is at going into the playoffs, I want to get a sense from you of who you like odds-wise, number-wise in the conferences, and then for the finals, Bucks plus 110, Celtics plus 165, Sixers plus 500, Suns plus 200, uh, Warriors plus 330, Nuggets plus 350, Grizzlies plus 700, Lakers plus 1000, Clippers plus 1500, Kings plus 1800. Uh, what are your thoughts on like where the conference value is right now from a betting standpoint? I know you asked me conference, um, but I have to give you NBA finals. I think, you know, Denver Nuggets 11 to 1 is like downright insulting. Woo! Um, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think in conference wise, um, I think you got to go Denver again. Um, you know, it's, it's it's absolutely insane to me. You know, this is a team with, you know, home court advantage. I know they haven't looked good for the last month. I think, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the fact that, you know, they kind of had everything wrapped up. Um, I think they have one series, one easy series to really get it together. Um, but, I mean, they're still going to have home court against the Suns team, which, you know, has so much uncertainty. So um, I would take them at plus 350 um, and 11 to 1 to win the NBA title. And then in the East, I think the – this is frustrating for me because, you know, before Jalen Brown started to pick up vases, I, I thought, you know, the Celtics probably had, you know, the most value. Um, this is. Uh, so I know you, I know what you want. I know what you want to take. What do I want to take? I know you want the Sixers team. I, I mean, when I look at the 500, it looks so juicy. It it, it really just looks so juicy, but um. I think that's probably the direction I would lean. I, I think this is a three-team race. Um, you know, no offense to the Cavs or the Knicks. I just don't see the Cavs or the Knicks beating the Bucks at all. I think, you know, the best price on the board is definitely the, the plus 500 with the Sixers. Um, just Embiid is just playing so well. If Harden's Achilles is not an issue, um, I think that's going to be a series against the Celtics. I think, I think people are kind of sleeping. In unrelated news, you can catch Raheem on the Philly special over on the Ringer podcast <laughs> network, as well as on the sports <laughs> or on the but Ringer Gambling Show. I, I got one follow-up question. No, Raheem. no, no. Oh, you you don't get futures. We're doing that Friday. No buddy. question. It's, it's a question. I'm not I'm not weighing in. Question, Raheem. If I if I'm listening and I want the Raheem special, I, I want you gave out your future. You like Denver. I want to tell your Denver bet. Which one am I doing? Am I playing the West or am I playing the title? AKA, do you like Denver against one of those three teams coming out of the East or do you just want to get them out of the West and then get your money and run? Um, I always prefer to, you know, to choose the, cha the championship payout just because it's a little bit more. Um, and then I also think here's the thing in the East, the Bucks, the Celtics or the Sixers, they're going to have to play each other. And there's that a war of attrition. And I think those are the three best teams. And I think, 
you know, Denver could match up with any of them. I mean, the, the one that matchup that kind of scares me is the, the Celtics matchup more than any of them. Um, but I would take the 11 and one just because I just think I think this is mispriced badly. Right. Sixers Nuggets finals matchup, by the way, is plus 2,600. Just want to note that 26 to 1. Mm. Sixers Nuggets finals. Matchup. And we're full circle right back to David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon. All right. That's going to wrap it up for buckets for your Tuesday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure to keep it tuned this week, all throughout the week. We will have uh, game one best bets. We'll break down the two sevens. We will have futures episode. We will also have a best bets episode for the Friday. Uh, eight seed play in tournament games once those are set we'll have those in the feed as well make sure to download the action network app you can follow me on twitter at hb basketball you can follow raheem on twitter at i am rostradamus you can follow brandon on twitter at wheaton brando follow them both in the action network app raheem always good to see you buddy we miss you over here thanks for joining us everybody have yourselves a good day good week see you again next time till then get buckets Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.